Are you a business owner looking to grow and scale your company? Do you want to prepare your company to successfully take on investment? Start by taking the Become Investable Digital Scorecard Assessment. In less than six minutes, you will have information identifying weaknesses in your business model and receive advice on how to address them. Developed using the signature BI methodology, the scorecard assesses your business based on six key investability metrics and provides a comprehensive report to show you how to build a more investable business. Go to becomeinvestable.com slash scorecard today to start your journey to investability. Podcast World. This is Caribbean Power Lunch, where it's all about global business from a Caribbean perspective. I'm your host, Kevin Valley, and today we want to continue our discussion on mental health, but we're tackling it from a different angle. My guest today is a CEO, entrepreneur, and operator in the plant-based industry, the plant-based medicine industry. He has several years of experience um, promoting business conferences on cannabis and and, and, um, stakeholders and that sort of thing, as well as being a CEO of a publicly traded psychedelics company known as Silo Wellness. Mr. Douglas K. Gordon, can't forget the K. Douglas, how are you doing, sir? I'm great. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You know, I mean, I mean, I realize how important the K is because everywhere I see your name, it's not just Douglas Gordon. It's the Douglas K. Gordon from from, yeah. uh, from since 2016. I'm getting the emails from Douglas K. Gordon. You know, here's the cannabis. <laughs> cannabis is a is an upcoming industry. It's you know, it's really important, especially here right. in Caribbean and Jamaica and everything. You know, and I'm a, we were just talking pre-show, and, I'm, and for years I knew you before I met you. It's like I knew you as the Canex guy, the Canex Jamaica right. guy, you know, the conference right. guy. But you had a whole life before that, right? I mean, you're actually you're actually born in Trinidad Tobago. You spent a, you spent um, maybe a ten years or so here. Then you moved all over the world, as well as being you know a real citizen of the world. You know, you have a you have your career in, in banking and media and all of these things spanning over twenty years. I mean, so we don't need to necessarily go through you know what happened year by year. I don't know. I mean, you 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 look like a young guy, so I wouldn't I wouldn't wanna <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> expose you like that. Right. But after spending so many years, again, in banking, sales, media, um, journalism and all these things, what sort of what what was the impetus for you to, to really get into here? I want to start a conference series featuring on cannabis. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, we want to be careful because we I know it's not for you're not promoting it from recreational purposes. I know you promoted it for mental health purposes. So what was the real impetus there? What happened? It's actually quite simple. Um, I remember, well, you know, cannabis was coming along as a, as a burgeoning business sector. And, you know, in, re- in reading your normal business um, publications, you know, I'd, I'd see it from time to time. And I remember in March of 2016, reading an article in the Wall Street Journal that Peter Thiel had put $12 million into a cannabis fund. Um, and the deal is a, a, is a very large investor. And so $12 million to Peter Thiel is chump change. And I, I just, I, I paused for a moment. I said, why would the Wall Street Journal be reporting a $12 million investment by Peter Thiel? And then, I, you know, it, it said to me, it's either he's got a lot more money in the sector and he's just trying to float the idea to get people a little bit more aware of it, um, you know, or, or, you know, this is really something that he's um, doing a, a, a much bigger, a much bigger investment. But, you know, as cannabis was, was emerging as a topic, 
It's probably about 24 hours later, having now, you know, passed the decriminalization law in Jamaica. And there was a lot of discussion around what the future of a, of a legal um, environment looked like. And, you know, the, the, the scenes from there was like pandemonium, right? At a press conference. Not, not a pandemonium. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot of emotion. It's really, you know okay. what I mean? We have these negative connotations of pandemonium. But there, there was a lot of emotion around, you know, Jamaica being left behind and foreigners coming into the country and, and sort of, you know, usurping the local farmers and so on and so forth. And, you know, in that moment, I, I just had this, this really powerful flashback to the steel pan, right, in Trinidad. And I remembered in the 80s or so, <clears throat> you know, when there was this huge uproar because we discovered that it had been, this, you know, trademarked by Japan. And, you know, it was just all this, all this arguing and squabbling and fighting. And the truth is, well, the ship sailed. You know, we didn't do what we had to do. And the ship sailed on that. And as much as it was, it was unfortunate and sad and, and you know, yeah, it, you know, it's not right, but the same token, because we did not act when we should have acted, you know, we, we lost something as, 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 as a country in Trinidad in that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I just felt like, you know, as a Caribbean person, you know, what could I do to sort of like, do something, you know, so that it wasn't five or six years down the line. I mean, I really asked myself this question, if five or six years down the line, <clears throat> if I do nothing and Jamaica has really lost this opportunity, have I really been a good Caribbean citizen? And so, you know, my thought was if you could get people together where we were sharing education, we were sharing knowledge, we were sharing experience, because again, you had places like Colorado and Canada where the movement was so much further advanced, then you know, that would at least inform the local population who want to be in cannabis, um, expose them to some of these, you know, these, these, these operators, not, theor not, not people being theoretical, but operators. Right, and right. so there would be an opportunity to sort of help to build the industry here. And that was my motivation, to be very honest. It was, there was no business motivation in the sense. Canix was started off with, you know, because I recognized that, you know, I've done a lot of events over time. I'd never to that point done a business conference event, but I just felt that it was really important for the Caribbean that we did something. And that was my, that was my sort of idea and, and, and we pursued it. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. And you I mean, you referenced the Japanese um, trademark and the steel pan, you know, when it's really a Trinidad and Tobago instrument and stuff. I mean, I mean, just recently we had this whole uproar about, the term Juve being um trademark as a rum by a by international celebrity. I mean, would you I mean would you say that it's like the same thing that we, you know, we should have been more proactive to go ahead and, you know, let's let's really own that Juve term or well, I mean, I think I think sometimes we get caught up in, you know, what we don't have, right? Like what are we what were we doing with it while we had it? You know, what what are we actually losing by someone now putting marketing dollars behind the term Juve to promote their rum? that in, in its essence, it still comes back to Trinidad. What are we losing? You know, and I think it, it, it needs to be more, you know, we, we have so much intelligence, we have so much work ethic, we have so much, um, you know, ability in the Caribbean that I get a little bit frustrated sometimes when we get off on these tangents that are not feeding those things and we're feeding other narratives. Because the truth is, we can accomplish so much. We've seen it across the globe, Caribbean people have, you know, have, have hit way beyond their pay grade in all manners of business, academia, industry, you know, so on and so forth, healthcare, et cetera. And so we have all the capabilities of it. And for some reason, you know, within our own boundaries, sometimes we get so caught up in, 
in 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 what to intellectualize and 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 you know and talk about we don't we get away from the doing yeah. you know and, and the people who are doing they don't you know they have a a tough time of it they don't get the support um and it's it's just like you know to me it's like perpetuating this narrative that says let's just talk about stuff you know and when there's something positive to talk about we can talk about that when it's negative we talk about that but all we're going to do is talk yep you know <laughs> yeah. and and that's not that's not helping the small entrepreneurs that's not helping the person who wants to be a, a one person snow cone man it's like talking about it's not helping them you know what helps them is actually supporting them what helps them is encouraging them what helps them is understanding you know what challenges they're going through and what expertise you have that might give a different perspective and encouraging them and if we have more of that going into things you'll find more businesses being born more ideas coming from you know a hard drive into reality and then you don't have situations where something that has this this inherent ownership this inherent natural association is 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 you know recognized and accessed and leveraged by someone who's not even from the country you don't have those situations so much not because we protected it we have it because we've acted on it you know someone having the trademark for juve and putting it in a drawer doing nothing with it how does that serve us how does it serve us you know someone putting marketing dollars behind promoting something hey maybe it would have been prefer pref preferable if if he was had some ties okay great but he doesn't but now he's going to put marketing dollars behind a name that quote unquote belongs to Trinidad or we think it should right but in essence it's our event it's juve is our thing you're not going to replicate juve right so now we now need to figure out well come sponsor juve how do we work together so we can amplify your your shrewd move even if we don't like it into something that actually benefits people so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i guess you're on the arm you're on the opportunity lost team yeah, I am. I am. I am. I think we need to do more and we need to recognize we could be more. We could be further along if we were more if we were more collectively encouraging of progress instead of so quick to 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 you know intellectualize whatever we think has been taken away or is missing or whatever. Gotcha. Okay, so just I mean in the spirit of doing and everything, right? So I think this is valuable for a lot of people who have these who have these ideas that that's a little bit different from the norm. Right, going back to your, your, your cannabis um, conference idea, a little bit different from the norm, but they wanna they wanna they wanna expose this in a mass way. So I'm 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 talking right now, and I'm I'm also thinking about like the Tech Beach Retreat that Kyle Maloney and Kirk Hamilton, you know, also well Kirk also from um, Jamaica, you know, where those guys say, hey, but we wanna get this, you wanna get you wanna normalize technology throughout the Caribbean. You wanted to normalize cannabis, kind of um the business of cannabis for people who want to normalize these things and you know start a conference movement conference movement in doing so like I mean walk me through the first steps you took for your first con for your first conference how did that go like what was what was that like well you know we wanted to you know what was very clear to me is we wanted to send a message that this was going to be an international grade experience conference yes. right there'd been one or two sessions that were held in you know in fields with tents and stuff like that um, and, you know, that just doesn't speak to an international investor or practitioner to come to Jamaica or come to the Caribbean, for that matter, and take seriously the industry that's, 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 that's coming together here. And so we also wanted to take, you know, present to the, the local market the fact that, you know, it, this is the environment that Jamaican cannabis discussions belongs in, you know, of the highest, of the highest standard. 
And so, you know, we went and instead of securing even a hotel, you know, I made a very conscious decision that instead of securing a hotel conference room, yeah. because in that, that could be many different things. Does, a, does the international guest know the hotel brand? You know, is it a, a little room or a big room? You know what I mean? It, it says so much. It has so much of a, of a lasting impact in terms of the caliber of what you're saying that we went ahead and got them, you know, the Montego Bay Convention Center. Um, huge expense. It's a beautiful facility, but it was massive expense. And then, you know, did all the bits and pieces with the hotel. But, you know, beyond that, reached out to, like, who are the big players internationally? Who are some of these, you know, the, the big wigs? And we've always had this drive to pursue whoever is the most influential, irrespective of our budget, irrespective of our size, irrespective of our longevity, um, because we just wanted to bring the best together. And sure, we got tons of no's, <laughs> tons of, like, yeah, no, you don't, this is your first year. I'm not a part of that. I don't do that. You know, I'm, I'm beyond that. I, I respect that, sir or ma'am, you know, but we had to ask. And, you know, that, that's how we get, that's how we got started. And, you know, initially there was a lot of, you know, Canix has been through a journey because it wasn't universally embraced by the local um, community. There was also yeah. a lot of fear that we represented just another version of sort of like, you know, a, a cannabis industry that was not in tune with the grassroots essence of cannabis that was detached from the folks who had sacrificed oh. cannabis, right? Oh, at first said, I thought your, your, your challenges may have been like from the, from the more regulatory slash government bodies. But no, really well, we had those two. They didn't take us on at all, right? They didn't, <laughs> they didn't take us on either. Um, but that's fine. They were all, they're figuring themselves out and so on and so forth. And I, and I think it was also a lot of, a lot of concern about attaching yourself to anything that was not what it appeared to be. You know what I mean? So that again, you know, you attach yourself to something and then you find out it's really something else. And then you you now have this, this thing to backtrack. So there's a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, people being very circumspect in the beginning. So I'm going to put it down to that, okay. but yeah, no, we had, we had a lot of folks saying, you know, why is it to, to what I, th I forget what the cost was then $200 to go to hear about cannabis and, you know, all the experts on cannabis are here and that's, you know, that's just perpetuating. And I said, look, we have to fly people in, we have to pay for the venue. You know, we are, get, we are bringing experts into the country here from all around the world that you don't have to go to, you know, you don't have to pick up sticks and go to New York or go to Colorado for a conference would give you exposure to this type of network and get hotel and airfare and taxi and food and you know what I mean? And so, and so while, while $200 in the local um, value, it has a lot more than $200 in, 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 a, in a more developed nation. I get that. The reality of it is we, we approach it from a perspective of let's get quality content, Right. Let's not shirk on that local and, and foreign. Let's get operators, not just the, not just people coming to talk about theory. Let's talk to people who've grown out, you know, who've, who've, who've been overseen grows at scale. Can talk about some of the challenges of a scale grow versus a small sort of, you know, surreptitious grow. Um, let's bring all of those pieces together. Let's talk to people who, you know, floated companies in the capital markets to understand what investors look like for, for that type of investment. What, what, what private capital is looking for in cannabis, you know. And let's bring people locally who've been growing for years, you know, who have good quality product. Just so let's bring people to the table locally who want to invest, but they want to understand the landscape of it. You know, all of those are the component pieces that we we sought and we brought together for Canix. And over time, Kevin, I'll say what's what's really sort of very heartening is the way you know some of those communities that initially was was, was skeptical of our intentions 
have come to fully embrace what we're doing. You know, it took a little time and yeah, it was painful because you want them to embrace it. But at the end of the day, they have the regulators, the government, they've come and they've supported, they've seen what Canex has done for the industry, what it could continue to do for the industry. And so it's it's very, you know, validating if, if you want to call it that. But to your question, I, I don't think, I think you got to start off with, you know, a vision of what you're trying to accomplish. And then you have to you have to apply yourself what the first step is. You know, the first step might not even resemble the vision, but you have to take it, you know, but you have to know the vision because if you just go into it, you can either go and overinvest, you can go and underinvest, you can just do it in a way that's sort of slapdash or, or what have you, um, because you're not clear on what the ultimate vision is, you know. And 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 I think, yeah, once you do that, it starts to reveal itself. I didn't I didn't start off Canex because I wanted to have it as the premier cannabis conference in the Caribbean and da 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 da. da. I didn't. I just thought that look, we're gonna miss the boat, we're gonna do nothing about it, we're quarreling amongst ourselves. What can we do? You know, what can we do to make sure in five or six years, you know, I didn't scratch my head and say I should have done something, you know, and, and that's where it started and, and it grew from there. Yeah, sometimes regret can really be the most expensive decision, really be the most expensive outcome that um that can happen. You know, it's interesting that you say that at first the regulators weren't really on board, they didn't really take you on because I mean, I, I guess it can't kind of came full circle because now you have the Minister of Agriculture coming to your, your next Canex event in the middle of July. You know, so that's really interesting. From, actually from St. Vincent and from um Jamaica. Oh yeah? Yeah, oh, yeah, we've had great government support over the years. Um, in fact, our first Canex, we had the Minister of Tourism. It's just that the, 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 this, the disconnect is the government didn't support what we're doing. You know, he's a very visionary individual and he saw what it could mean for health and wellness, tourism and so forth. And so he accepted our invitation. But um, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a journey and it's okay. It's not been easy, but it's been okay. <laughs> it's part of the yeah. journey. I mean, and you I mean you set out to put together a really high quality event. You know, I mean, I already mentioned the the Mobi Convention Center, and you know all these flying in all these speakers across the world. I'm sure they some of them would have charged their fees or whatnot. You know, so I mean, how did you guys? Because I'm again, I'm thinking for for the for the visionary who wants to start their own conferences or start their own movement like that. Like, how do you guys be able to, to to afford that, or how are you able to you know to make that happen? You know. Well, there's some, there's, there's some, you know, the truth is I find it, 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 it's, it's most beneficial to just be straightforward. You know, there's some speakers who I want and they're like, right, you got to do this. You got to do this. I can't afford that, sir. You know what I mean? Or I can't afford that, ma'am. Well, that's what I usually get. I said, I completely understand that. I completely appreciate that. We're not yet there. If something changes, let me know. You know what I mean? And, and, and we move on to the next person. You know, it's not about trying to be what you're not, you know, it's about being straight up. And some people who you know, this guy doesn't know how it works. You know, he's from Jamaica or he's from the Caribbean and they think they can do da 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 da. And if that's that's their prerogative. But I'll tell you this, as we've built along, you know, we have been able to at our conference have like some serious world leading um, folks from the industry. You know, we've earned our stripes, if you will. You know, people respect Canix. And I and I don't I'm not saying that as some sort of personal reflection. I'm saying that because, you know, we've we've always we always strove to execute at a certain level and treat people right and, and, and be true to the plant. You know, the essence of all of this that people miss is, and it might sound a little woosa, but cannabis is not just another product. It's not just another thing. It's not another widget. You know, cannabis is a living, breathing organism. 
and the, the, the plant has an energy around it. And some people might think that this is, this is you know, too abstract for them, but it's the truth. And I'm a capitalist person, right? Um, that's what the truth is. And so, you know, when you go into this industry and we have seen it time and again, and you lose sight of what the, what the fundamental thing is, and that's just the energy of this plant that can heal people, right? And when you move away from that and you think you're a smarter capitalist and you think you're a smarter tactician and strategist and Ray, 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 it has a way of undoing you. It just does. It just does. I've seen so many people who have made a fast buck and they lost their fast buck plus because the plant brought them right back to their heels. You know, so I respect it. I've learned so much about it. I've learned so much about the energy of, of what you put out there um, by, by my work with cannabis. Um, and I, and I, I'm not, a, I'm not, you know, I have no bones about speaking to it because it is what it is. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, we're we gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about cannabis in a in a, in a second. But um, what what I really want to highlight in terms of your approach to these speakers, I think is a is a good takeaway is that you didn't it, it, it doesn't sound like you just go there. God, please do me this favor. It sounds like you went there pitching a partnership, and you had what's most most important that with or without you energy is I mean like, hey, we're having this conference. It's going to be in Jamaica. You're going to be in a nice hotel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to have all these people coming in. We have, we have this nice convention center. We've marketed the entire mailing list or whatever have you. And we just like you to come and speak. If, if you don't want to speak, no problem. Somebody else is going to speak. It's going to happen with or without you. Yeah. But you have to have that to everybody. Vendors, stakeholders, venues, you know, everybody. You know, it's like... You know, you can do what you can do, but the, the, the thing that I think gets most people to, to buy in is when you have that conviction, you know, mm -hmm. and you back it up with the work ethic and you back it up with the standards, right? But you have to have that conviction in what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's talk about cannabis for, for a second, all right? So it could this this seems a little bit controversial. I mean, I've been doing my research. So me personally, and again, I, I, wanna, I want to stay away from the recreational use of it, because I know this, that's not your focus. But so me personally, but I'll say me personally, I don't have much experience with it, right? Let me let me clarify a couple of things for you, right? Sure. So number one is, um, you know, this distinction between recreational use and medicinal use, right? Let's let's really under, let's understand what that is. This whole medical medicinal sort of um, directive is really more about controlled access. That's all it is. Right. It's about somebody giving you some sort of evaluation to determine that you're not you're not not a candidate to use cannabis. That's really what it is, because most of us absolutely can. Absolutely no problems. Right. And I'm not saying the most as in 51 percent. I'm saying the overwhelming majority of people can use cannabis without any issues whatsoever. Right. The medicinal um, channel is to basically filter out and put in place a starting regime, a starting place to say, let's control access to this to start, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's not because it's some inherent danger to for usage. That's the first thing. The second thing is I don't have any, I'm not in this camp, which, which I understand how we have to navigate in the Caribbean, okay? Jamaica was in a place where people would say, no, nah, man, I need to free up the weed. I was like, yeah, yeah we're not going to get to that. We're not going to get any progress <laughs> if the extreme is either it's illegal or we free up the thing. Right. This is, there's no no. We got to start in a way in which the people who think absolutely categorically not get to see. Oh, OK, well, all right. All right. I understand in this 
scenario then. Okay, let's let's go ahead in this, this very narrow scenario. And then when they actually see that there aren't all these fears that they have to, to be realized, that these stigmas are purely fabricated or, or manipulated to serve a different purpose, then you can go on and on and on from there because cannabis does not hurt people, okay? You have a potential, if we look at negatives, the potential for cannabis from studies to have a negative psychological impact is when people use it heavily before the brain closes. Now that's between 16 and 21 for most people. So the point is, if you do not use cannabis, oh, sorry, let's try it this way. If you use cannabis before 21 in a heavy way, you have a higher potential for something to happen that affects your mind, okay? That doesn't mean it's a high potential. I wanna be very clear about it. It's not a high potential. You have a higher potential than baseline, which is across the board. That's it, that's it, okay? And, and as long as we keep feeding this, this narrative, of, well, no, no, it has to be bad because this person said it. So I'm looking for the things to back that up. It's nonsense. The difference between we move from recreational and using the word recreational industry to adult use. They're synonyms, they're just semantics. It's just, it's just what makes people more comfortable. Because the truth is, if you had a long day and your way of coping is to have a, have a drink of scotch or a glass of red wine or to smoke a spliff, it's the same thing. Nobody's better and nobody's worse than the other person. Nobody is feeding their, their desire to just take the edge off and get back to baseline in a way that's better than the next person. Okay, It's right. just because of how it's been stigmatized, we all have this thing where we get to say, you smell the thing that's coming down from the, you see those people, boy, you see those people, that's, that's it. And that's all man-made. Kevin, understand that before 1937, before 1937, cannabis was on the American pharmacopoeia. That means the official list of drugs the doctors were allowed to prescribe, cannabis sat on it. You know why that changed? Because of textiles. Because the hemp industry represented an exponential threat to the DuPonts of this world who were building textiles. And so what they did is, in, is they found a way first the Marijuana Tax Act, and then it went on from there. And then it got its schedule onto the Schedule 1 code to say it's a bad thing. And then it became caught up in the whole war on drugs and so on and so on and so on. I grew up in a time in Trinidad. I remember coming home one summer, having breakfast at the table one day, and my father reading the paper, very proper, right? You should all know that, you know, I won't say whether it's male or female, but so-and-so, one of our siblings, was pulled over last night and arrested for having a quantity of thing in his car, right? Um, in their car. Okay? <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're like, right? We've gone from there, Kevin, from there to where my father was a moderator of one of my panels at Canics, right? And I'll tell you how, a funny story how that came about. I got a call one morning, say, hey, you need to call dad. I was like, yeah, yeah, call him. Like, no, no, you need to call him now. Why? You need to call him now. There's something in the paper. What? Send me the thing. Trinidadian businessman to host Ganja Conference or whatever the headline was, right? You know, doc, anyway, so I called. Hey, dad, how you doing? Hey, son, it's all, you know? And uh, I said, how you doing? He said, I'm good. How are you, son? I'm good, dad. I said, so dad, you know I do events, right? So yeah, of course I know you do events, son. Now, all my events are fashion events and golf events and all this kind of thing, right? 
I said, yeah, I'm going to do a, um, yeah, I'm doing a, a cannabis conference in September, <laughs> right? Cannabis, cannabis, that's marijuana. <laughs> oh God, here we go, right? And he's like, yeah, but that's legal. That's legal now. I said, yeah. He said, so that's great. So when is that? And we just went on from there. Oh, and, okay. And, but the th- again, because he reads these different journals, he reads these different publications. So he's seen, unbeknownst to me, he's seen the fact that in the developed world, while it's not something he would personally subscribe to, he understands that it's become a thing where people are understanding that there are these different health properties to it. And all I'm saying is that <clears throat> we need to do better for ourselves. We need to understand that in 1937, this was perfectly legal and recommended in the medical community. And then from business interests, that changed. And then that became perpetuated. And all we're doing is perpetuating that false narrative. We're not doing the work for ourselves to understand how it impacts us. So all we keep doing is looking for the thing that says, yeah, but you know, so-and-so, he's been on this thing for a long time and he doesn't work and he da 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 I'm like, you see, that's what I mean. While we're not actually reading the part because we're looking for the ways to reinforce what we think we already know. We're not looking for the ways to say, but if it, I need to understand, how does this really help pain? How does this really help this situation? How is it that all these high-performing executives around the world swear by using the use of cannabis. How? Right? That's what we need to read so we have a much broader understanding of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the plant and its properties. Okay. Inside every one of us, Kevin, inside every one of us, we have something called the endocannabinoid system. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so in, in the cannabis plant, you have two primary compounds we all know about, THC and CBD, right? CBD stands for cannabinoid. Okay? So the cannabinoids that come out of the plant they, they, they speak to our endocannabinoid system, okay? We produce can, cannabinoids ourselves naturally, right? People used to, that, that's why, and what, what the whole endocannabinoid system does, it regulates homeostasis in the body. So what do I mean by that? You're playing football when you're younger, you turn your ankle, two days later, you're playing football the same way. No pain, no latent, nothing. At 35, that takes two weeks. At 50, you're on crutches for a minute, right? Because the end, your, your cannabinoid production, your natural cannabinoid production diminishes over time. So when you take the CBD into your body, it sparks your endocannabinoid system to produce more cannabinoids again. And in the process, your body is now healing itself through homeostasis, right? Homeostasis. So, yeah, your, your, the endocannabinoid system regulates homeostasis in your body. It figures out what's wrong with you and it helps you to fix yourself. Right. And as we get older, that process is more elongated. And that's why you see older people have problems with with pain and aches and all that sort of thing. Right. CBD helps all of that. This comes naturally from the plant. If you if you take a a full compound, a full spectrum, you get THC and CBD. You get the high and you get the benefit. If you don't want the high, you can just take CBD with a very low or no THC and you just get that benefit. Like we need to understand this. We're treating elderly people today with all kinds of drugs, right? They, they bring on all sorts of other indications that need other drugs when there's a natural compound that can help them today. And just because we believe some stupid narrative that's been perpetuated and don't want to do the work to actually understand the truth ourselves, 
you know, we want to have all these discussions about how it's bad for you and it's going to hurt you and it's going to ruin the nation and all this other bullshit. And it's bullshit. You know, let's call it what it is. It's absolute bullshit. It's some narrative somebody put out there and somebody else just kept marketing. Okay. So is it, so you you vehemently disagree that, you know, some of these side effects. And not that, not that I disagree with you, Pussy. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm learning, right? But is it that you vehemently disagree that some of these side effects include... Um, Difficulty with movement and coordination, impaired memory, hallucination, anxiety. If you're um, high, that's no. If you're high, you're high. Okay. Those are those are some of the things that come along when you're high. When you're high and you smoke and you smoke a spliff, you're high. Yeah, you're gonna wow. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I don't disagree with that. Long but I'm memory loss and stuff. Benefits from cannabis. Okay. Without that, if that's your decision. Okay. Follow. Yeah, and I think we and I think we could have a we could have a similar discussion on mushrooms, but um, all right, so. The, the takeaway there for for cannabis, I mean, is especially for for medical purposes, and you know, leaving alleviating pain and and um sort of, I want to be careful what I say. I don't want to say treating. Can I say treating um mental illnesses and disorders? Can I say treating or what? For cannabis or psychedelics? Um, we get into psych- psychedelics, but can, can cannabis do this as well? Because I I want to make sure that we differentiate them. A I don't bit. I don't know. Um, I mean, there's tons of studies that have been that are being held. I'm not I'm not familiar with every single one of them. Right. Um, by, by far, I don't know about cannabis and mental health. I don't know. I know about cannabis in terms of anxiety and, and reducing the levels of anxiety. I know cannabis in terms of you know just 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 having a very overarching calming effect on folks i don't know about its actual treatment of mental health disorders i can't speak to that right, no problem no problem all right we could we can leave we can leave it there for now all right so you're running the um connex conferences for a while your dad approved cheers to that you know? <laughs> i mean my dad god bless his soul i don't think <laughs> i would have gone over as well <laughs> i just enjoy talking to your dad so maybe i would have been able to, 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 show, to show him the light who knows yeah well, i mean he, he'll be with you on the scotch i don't know <laughs> i don't know if he'll be with you on the arm uh, on the cannabis right. you know but um yes so let's so yeah after some years of doing of doing um, this this connex conference you know you you ended up joining um silo wellness as ceo you know, mm-hmm. this psychedelics company, you got the functional mushrooms and everything, but kind of give, um, give us a brief walkthrough of how that happened. Um, sure. So, you know, you know, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned about Canix and having its, 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 its you know, its, its ability to network and all these different people we brought together. I mean, in 2019, you know, we had 2,500 attendees from 37 different countries. And you know why I say that is because there was a vision, a deliberate thought to say, look, this cannot sustain itself if we're just talking about what's happening in Jamaica. Let's use Jamaica as a basis to talk about what's going around in cannabis in the world while also making sure we carve out a piece about Jamaica, right? And so that was, and that's what it's done. So it's, it's grown that way. But um, what was the question again? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did you, how did, how did you, um, you end up getting that, um, that position in Silo Oh, Wellness? yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. So Mike Arnold, who's the founder of Silo Wellness, he had come to Canix and he also met a number of people um, in different pockets. And when he said, you know, he's looking to do some stuff in Jamaica, they're like, oh, we need to talk to, you know, you need to meet Douglas and talk to him about, about you know, how you want to do that and so on and so forth. So in 2019, we met and talked a little bit about the company. And then, you know, in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, he called me up one day, 
gave me a little update on what they were doing with the company. And it was very impressive. They've made a lot of headway. Um, and then he told me that they were looking for a CEO, you know, from the region. And so, you know, I thought it was a, he wanted me to help him find somebody. Right. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. I helped him find a few people. And he's like, oh man, that's not what I wanted. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I really wanted you to, to say you do it, you know? And I said, well, Mike, I know I have a lot on my plate and da, da, da. And we talked it through and, you know, it's just, you know, Kevin, it's one of those things where to me, the mission is what I, what I, what I feed into, you know, psychedelics is a fast growing industry. There's a lot of capital that's come into it. It's a very hot, hot dynamic space. Um, but there are not a lot of companies talking about really helping and healing people. And that, that's what Mike was very clear about. And that's what I, that's what I gravitated to the idea that we're actually going to build a real business. We're going to build a business where we focus on how we get people to come and have the medicine and get those transformative experiences. And that's what I could, that's what I could relate to. You know, that's something I, was, I felt very, very aligned with in terms of its, 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 its cause and its mission. And when you understand the, you know, the ability of 30% of the people who are treated with, uh, with, um, you know, with drugs for mental health ailments, it doesn't work. 30%, right? That's actually a real stat. That's not a guesstimate. So that's a 30% stat. of people who are treated with normal, with um, the typical Western medicine doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Okay. And so think of it. So when it, when I first heard that stat, and then you, you know, if you're familiar with anybody who's taking some of these powerful drugs for anti-depression and, and, and anxiety and so forth, there's a lot of time when they're like actually like zombies, you know, they're not themselves. And that's, that's considered working. Uh, that's, they don't fall into the 30%. They fall into the 70% where it's actually having a, a positive impact for them. Quote, unquote, and, positive, air quotes, positive impact. Yeah, because, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> but at the same token, you're like, gosh, you know, what happened to Larry? You know, Larry's not himself. But then when Larry's not taking those, those, those drugs, Larry's, you know, he's, 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 he's a little bit, you know, un, un, unstable sometimes, right? And, you know, you talk to some of these folks and they say, boy, you know, I, I prefer to be, I don't want, when I'm unstable and I go off, I don't want that to happen. But you don't understand. I almost prefer to be unstable with the risk of going off than to be drugged up and feel like I'm just, I'm having this other dimensional experience in life. And, you know, we have in plant medicine and with psychedelics, this incredible opportunity to help people to use natural, you know, plants and, and compounds that can solve for some of those things and give them an enhanced and, and, and much richer life experience. And, you know, being in a position to be able to, to, to drive that is incredibly important and valuable to me. You know, I, I think it's a real privilege and obligation to do as much as I possibly can to amplify, you know, what we're doing as a business because we want to help as many people as we can. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. I mean, uh, and yeah, I mean, you could, you could definitely compare and contrast cannabis and the psilocybin um, mushrooms and, um, and everything that's, that's um, you guys focus on a silo wellness. So, you mean, you develop the mushrooms, you do the nasal spray and everything that you, and you recently had that partnership with the um, Bob Marley family, mm -hmm. Marley one, and you also do these, these retreats and everything. Mm -hmm. All right. So, I mean, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that um, psilocybin mushroom and everything. Let's, because 
it's it, it could be a little dangerous to say, okay, well, you go and use this, it's going to work. But is, is it that we should advocate that you should use this in combination with some sort of psychotherapies? Like, who should administer this? Or what how do you, you want to do? Like, for example, so, you know, when people refer to, let's start off with what people refer to a bad trip. Right. Okay? So a bad trip is when you take a, a, a large dose, a large, you know, whatever, three, four, five gram uh, dose of psilocybin. And, you know, it's, it's not pleasant. And so bad trip is not something that inherently hurts you. It's where the experience is not pleasant. And so that gets impacted generally by your mindset, your, the environment, your setting. Okay. And so that's why we, we put people in retreat settings. We put them in nature. We, we, we work with them before they arrive so that they can get the mindset right. Understand this is not something to be afraid of, you know, and what that looks like. And that's incredibly important, Kevin, because you see, it's the fear that drives most people having a bad trip. They don't know. They're anxious. You know, they're going to do this and they don't, they're doing it alone or they're doing it in a group that doesn't have any guidance. And so when someone comes on our, our retreats, what we do, first of all, is we screen them. They go through a pretty rigorous screening. So we understand, are they using other medications that might have a contraindication? Do they have, do they actually have or, or indications like of psychosis, which means it's not, a, it's not appropriate for them. Um, so we, we screen them out and then we brief them before they come, what to expect. You know, what's the journey like? What are you trying to, to, to seek for yourself? And we're really looking for people who are, you know, you have to understand, like, you know, we're trying to help. Well, not we are trying to help. What's what the psychedelics do, what the psilocybin does, it helps you to reinterpret your trauma. Okay. So your mind, imagine this is your mind like that, right? And imagine over here is your trauma because we all have trauma. So you now have a trauma for when you were young, you know, whether it's, it's sexual, it's, it's parental, whatever it is, right? As we get older, what we do is we build in more and more coping mechanisms to stay further and further away from the trauma, mm -hmm. okay? So someone makes a joke, it, it triggers us. So we stay away from the person who makes a joke, you know what I mean? Or it makes us sad at first, and then it happens a little bit more, and then we get a little bit more sad. We either go to depression or we go to anger. But we start to have, we start to have these emotions around the trauma, and then what we start to do is, is, is anytime we're going in a direction or we think a conversation is going in a direction, we swerve away. And inherently what it's doing is it means we're using less than our full capacity of our mind because there's this part that we're so sensitive about that we're like, oh, no, 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 hard left. And we rewire our neural pathways. That's what we actively do. We're rewiring our neural pathways. And what psychedelics allow us to do is to reinterpret the trauma. So we can face it, we can understand it, we can digest it. And in the process, we get to use more of our mental capacity. The fear that that thing held for us, the discomfort is no longer of the same degree. So therefore, we don't have to be, you know, arbitrarily swerving the car, so to speak, to avoid that much earlier because we can deal with it better. And that's the most powerful thing about psychedelics when we're talking about how it helps people outside of those with clinical medical, clinical mental um, ailments, right? Because there are a lot of high-performing people for whom psychedelics are a boon because they get to use more of their mind. They get to, they get to you know, be a, a better version of themselves because they can be in touch with more of themselves. So it's not just a matter of thinking in terms of like somebody who's broken and this is to fix them. You know, 
all of us have broken pieces, right? And this allows us to be to, to, to manage that better so we can be more of who we are. That's that's what it is. And so those retreats are led by folks who understand how the medicine works, who can speak to you, understand before you go through the experience wh- where you are in your life, what it is that's, that's holding you back to some degree. And as you go on your, your journey in the medicine, does it work, does its work, you have basically a comfort blanket to help you to understand the process. And that's how it becomes transformative. You know, sitting in your apartment in New York City with the, the fire engine going and taking a hero dose, you're missing all those elements. So whatever fears and anxieties you have, they, they, may, they may win the day because you're by yourself in the wrong environment. And, and, and in, the, in the process, somehow that gets ascribed to, you know, psilocybin and psychedelics. Like that's, that's the downside. No, that's the wrong environment. It's the absolute wrong environment. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that environment dictates performance, and that's, I mean, that's true for a variety of things. So just, just um, really t- touching on what you're saying just now in terms of, you know, in, in those, let's call it guided trips or in those trips, you know, where you have them in nature, in, um, in Montego Bay or, where, or wherever, where people are able to, to sit down and really confront or embrace that that inner trauma that they would have faced many years ago and whatnot, and not necessarily swerve away from it using, I mean, just borrowing from your words. The, the positive effects from that, is it, is it restricted to that time that they're there and present during that retreat? Or is it, is it more of a, hey, I fixed this thing and I'm, I'm back in New York, I'm back, in the, I'm back on the subway, and is it, is it more, is it like a permanent, can it be more of a long-term permanent fix or is it something you need to keep doing over and over? Like, is it a muscle you have to practice or is it a one-time fix? How does it work? Brilliant question. So we talk in our retreats of set, setting, and, and integration, okay? So set, I talk about mindset, getting prepared for it, knowing what to expect. Setting is the environment that you're in, that it's natural, it's soothing, et cetera. Integration now is how you take the lessons learned forward. You know, how do you process that? How do you catch yourself if and when you start to slide back into the same thought patterns that weren't serving you before, right? So it's you're more aware of it. You're more aware of the issue. You're better able to understand it. But now you're starting to become more aware of how you respond to it. So you don't build back up those same neural pathways. So that's a very important part. And, you know, it really depends on the individual, the extent of their trauma, right? Um, as to how often they would need to do that to get to that better, you know, that more fulsome version of themselves. And so it, it becomes very personal in that regard. Um, some people do it once and it's fine. You know, some people do it maybe twice a year. You know, it's that, that's their thing. It helps them to sort of to keep going back, clearing the space, getting more and more of that sort of mental callus, if you will, that mental scraped away and, 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 and able to perform better. Um, the other the other thing that we're looking at very heavily in the industry is microdosing. So that's a subperceptual dosage. So now what that does is it will help you to get to a more consistent um, level of, of positivity and, and positive belief and happiness. You know, people report a lot more joy when they microdose. So that allows you to have, as again, subperceptual. So it's not affecting your, you're not hallucin- uh, hallucinating or anything of the sort. But it brings back some of that um, that positivity that people have reported, right? And that now is something you can do in a more consistent basis, you know, daily or four times a week or whatever. But you can do that on a more regular basis, where you know the 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 sort of psychedelic dosage is is a more one-off thing. Got you, got you. 
Okay, so I mean, I know that um, Silo Wellness's mission, or, or maybe this might be your personal mission, um, is to remove the stigma and social alienation caused by um, mental health issues, especially in, in the Caribbean and maybe even some, some parts of the United States. All right, so I mean, so there's that. But um, listening to you just now, you're saying that, you know, well, all right, if you have some sort of pre-existing mental ailment, this may not be for you. So it depends what it is. It depends what it is. You know, right. it depends. When you talk about psychosis, that's a much more extreme case than PTSD. Right. You know what I mean? But it's understanding how that person is, is, is built up um, and what they've been exposed to, what medications they're on to determine whether or not, you know, that psychedelic experience is ready, is, is right for them in that moment in their lives. Okay, so just for me, just to make it crystal clear, it's, it's really okay. It's best if you face some sort of experience-driven trauma, you know. So maybe you're a vet, or or maybe you no, had no, no, that trauma. No, 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 no. It's not about best. It's a matter of trauma is trauma. I think what it, what it helps to make us understand mm-hmm. is we can all appreciate PTSD. Right. We can all appreciate it, and PTSD is not just for for combat vets. Exactly. You know, a lot of people on the front lines of, of COVID pandemics who've worked in ICUs and hospitals, you know, those folks are ripe to have an experience because that's incredibly traumatic. You know, every single day they've had to deal with this. You know, they've also had to grapple with the, the, the consequences to their families. You know, I, I personally believe that, um, you know, we're going to find that women have shouldered the mental burden. Mm-hmm. of the pandemic in ways that men won't ever understand because they think different. You know, they worry about things that we don't worry about. You know, they're programmed differently. And the, the reality is we could sit back and say, what are you worried about that for? But the truth is it doesn't stop them. You know what I mean? They worry. They worry about, you know, the husband that lost his job and what does that mean for the kid's education and what does that mean for retirement? And, you know, he's like, shoot, I got to get another job. That's, that's us. Right. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not worrying about all of those things most of the time. That all has lasting impact. Kevin, you've seen, we've had people go from being prudent with their savings and how they live their life. And, you know, they, they want to buy this car, but they're going to buy this car because it's more affordable. And, you know what I mean? They're going to they're extend when they replace their furniture because they're just trying to be prudent. And then that world has been imploded. Yeah. You know, it's been imploded. Like that, that's, those are, all of these things are trauma, man. All of these things are trauma. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, so I guess what I was, what I was trying to get to is um, it, if it's m- more to help with people who experience trauma versus those who have a sort of chemical imbalance in their brain. Well, right. we've all experienced trauma. That's the first thing. We've right. all experienced trauma, right? But in terms of folks who have a chemical imbalance, those are the ones that we have to look at much more carefully to decide, to determine whether or not this is suitable medication for them. Right. right? A chemical imbalance is, is, is has a has different different constructs. You know what I mean? It has different degrees, and and that's important that we understand that because if somebody is more susceptible to a psychotic break, you have to be very very careful about what you give them, um, and what they take and what you recommend versus someone who's less who's not susceptible really to psychotic break. You know, there's there's a lot more bandwidth there. Okay. Um, I'm just going on a nice lighter sort of topic for a second. All right, so one about um, less than two years in the job, you've been able to to close a deal with the Bob Marley family for Marley One. Tell us about that, man. Uh, well, Marley One is is you know it's such a wonderful collaboration, you know, because first and foremost, you know, the, the, 
you know, I, I deal mainly with Mrs. Marley, Rita Marley, and, and Sadella, who's the CEO of the, the Bob Marley Group companies. Yeah. And they have been so, you know, they're curious. They, you know, they want to understand how it works. They want to, you know, taste the different flavors. I mean, Mrs. Marley has been, you know, from an R&D perspective, you know, we talk about, again, this is, this is how we look at things, at least, you know, from our perspective. You know, we have this wonderful opportunity with the Bob Marley estate. A huge global presence, massive digital footprint, yada, 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 right? Wonderful history. Okay, great. Now what do we do with it? You know, do we just take the, you know, how do we, how do we re, how do we, how do we build a brand that is all the things that are Bob Marley, but is yet also positioned to, to leverage off of that, amplify all of that, you know? So a lot of work went into that and we had a wonderful team out of London that put that together. Like, it's great. You know, the family was so ecstatic with, with, with that, what, what our options were. It was very hard for everyone to choose, you know, one over the other, but we did. You know, then we go to R&D. And again, you know, looking at a product that wasn't just functional mushrooms. So our first line in the Marley One is all functional mushrooms. And just by, by way of explanation, you have three types of mushrooms, culinary, functional, and psychedelic. So when you talk about psilocybin, that's a, that, that's a psychedelic mushroom, Right. So but, the culinary is like the um, the portobello that goes nice with my beef, my roast beef. Yeah, right. right. So in the functional mushroom category, those all have different health benefits, but there's no psychoactive component whatsoever, right? right? So these are sold in in health shops and vitamin stores and Whole Foods and all this kinds of all these kinds of places, right? It's also a very fast growing sector as people turn more and more to natural medicines for for their healing. Okay, but even in that, what we did is we looked at you know, what are some of the other active ingredients, echinacea, ginkgo biloba, you know, CoQ10, that we could put with it so that a consumer who's looking and considering it, they see something they're familiar with, that they're, that they're comfortable with, and you can put it together. Funny that you say that, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the release of Mali One, and I see in your product line, the One Mind, right? So I like coffee. Um, right. I mean, I'm always taking my ginkgo biloba to keep me sharp. Right. right. It's like, hey, coffee-flavored blend. Of lion's mane, um, I forgot what lion's mane is for. That is for mind focus and energy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And ginkgo biloba designed to improve focus and cognitive function. I'm like, hey, but I want some of that to play in my coffee. hundred percent, hundred percent. And then even the flavors, you know, we went through. I mean, and, and we talk about like you know the build a brand, but it's a, it's the little pieces, right? The little pieces of matter, and it's you know going through it with Mrs. Marley. Like, should we use ginger or peppermint or you know what I mean? Like, these are yeah. things that now give it that Caribbean anchor, you know what I mean? As well as a point of differentiation compared to other, other functionals. So, so for us, it's a journey, but it's all these different pieces that we put together to make sure that at the end of the day, you know, do we have a, a manufacturing facility that's using all natural products that's, you know, that's, that's, that's certified to the highest standards that has the capacity to do what we want to do from a business perspective. So it's been a wonderful journey, but, you know, what we're very excited about with the Marley One line is, is two things, right? First of all, we're educating pe- people. People knew functional mushrooms before, but there's a ton of people that don't know what functional mushrooms are. They're now, under, they're now understanding what functional mushrooms are because they didn't know before. You right. know, some lion's mane, but not enough to try it. So now they're willing to try it. But it also serves the purpose of getting people to talk about mushrooms, to understand the health benefits of mushrooms. And ultimately for us, getting more people open to having psychedelic experiences. Right. So it's like a gateway. Where, absolutely. That's where the transformative healing takes place. 
We want you to take to take your Marley one uh, in terms of the functional. Absolutely, because it's going to give you sharper mind, better immunity, better digestive, all of these great things. Great, great things. It's worth it. But it also serves this other purpose mm-hmm. of, of destigmatizing mushrooms, normalizing the conversation, and moving us to where we move from psychedelics. Isn't that that tie-dye stuff with the old like Volkswagen bus? Right? To where we're like, no, but tell me how does that work? Because we can help heal so many people with psychedelics. So many people. And whether they're using Marley One or other silo wellness products or some other brand, it doesn't really matter to us. Because the truth is, if we do this and more people open their minds to start get that, that, that personal healing, it's a win. It's a win. Nice. I just want to package that into a nice um, takeaway for, for the business owner audience. You know, um, in terms of partnerships, right? So, three main them three main factors of any partnership. You you need brand, you need the product, you need distribution, right? So naturally, in terms of brand, you got the Mali, you got the Mali brand, which is, I, you know, I struggle to find bigger brands than the Mali brand. Even mean, all right, yeah. So you have Apple and Nike and all of these and all these guys, right? But think when you think about it, like when people talk about building a personal brand, like, I don't know if you, if, like, you can build a bigger personal brand than that. The guy has been dead longer than he was probably even alive. Um, probably. That's a fact. Right. You know, cause yeah, he was like 35, 36 or so when he died. What was he? I remember the age, but he's been, he's been gone longer than he was here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let's just go with that. Let's just go with that. Um, right. And yeah, I mean, when you think, you think Jamaica, you think sometimes even you think Caribbeans, oh, Bob Marley, Rasta. You know, you know, you, many times you have to explain, well, no, I'm, I'm not from Jamaica. I'm Trinidad. It's a whole different island. Right. <laughs> you know, but anyway, I, I digress. So on the product side, naturally you have Silo Wellness who has already has that, um, that production capacity when it comes to extracting the, the mushrooms, growing from, you know, taking from sport to door as, as you, um, as you eloquently put it in, in some of your media releases. And then you have distribution, which you didn't mention as yet, but this is the marijuana company of America. So you have marijuana. Oh, that's, one, that's one of our distribution partners. And they're not our, our distributor. Okay. Yeah. They're one We're, of them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I want to say something before we get to that. Like, you know, you mentioned about Bob Marley and, you know, when you talk about, you know, this is a real collaboration because I'm, I'm also that skeptical guy that says, oh, okay, you go get some famous brand, you slap it on your product and it's lipstick on a pig, right? You know, <laughs> um, but, but here's what's different from my perspective. Bob Marley always spoke to, you know, the oneness of life, you know, to the, we are all one, black, white, yellow, green, you know, Jamaican, US, it, we're all one, right? And, and we all took that to mean humans, humankind, we're all one. You know, at least I did. That's how I interpreted that. And in this process, in this journey, I realized that, you know, he meant we're all one. The whole energy, the whole universe is one. The plants, the, 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 the ocean, it's all one. We're all one. We're one thing. And so when you think of it from that context, and we talk about plant medicine, we talk about natural organic things in our body healing us. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that a mushroom that we that has been used for thousands of years, Kevin, that's what we keep forgetting. Psychedelic mushrooms are not like, oh, wow, Doug and them jumped onto this fast <laughs> band. Like, 
It's been here forever. It's been used for centuries. The indigenous tribes have been, community have been using this. And now it's just us in the Western world with modern medicine and all our degrees and what have you that have now declared this is worth checking out, right? But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, we're, we're now learning and it feeds back into this whole collaboration because it speaks directly to the authenticity of understanding how as one, the earth can help us to heal ourselves. And some people don't want to hear this. It sounds too woo for them and too woo and whatever. And that's their prerogative, man, but it's the truth. You know, we take cannabis is our endocannabinoid system. Psychedelics help us to, to, to have these, these transformative experiences within our mind. It's all natural from the ground. And when it comes to, you know, to, 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 to you know, I, I come back now to your point about distribution. I mean, we have secured distribution deals in multiple countries, right? Um, and are working on them. We have the uptake from our, our launch. I mean, we had media from Sputnik in Russia to Der Spiegel in Germany, you know, all over Europe, all over the US, throughout the Caribbean, South America. Do I want to say that, wow, I did a great job, I had a fantastic PR firm and we executed? Sure. But the truth is, it's Bob Marley. It's the Bob Marley, it's Bob Marley, you know, the Marley one brand. We amplified what was there, but the, the, the crux of the matter is that's what's carrying us. And we are happy to be serving that, giving it the due respect and regard that it warrants, but it's also becoming a vehicle to where we can actually expand healing and help more people. And that's a very symbiotic relationship that we, that we have truly feel blessed to be a part of. Nice, nice. I looked at your, um, I looked at Silo's investor deck and I read that um, the global antidepressant drug market. Now I know that's a very, it's a much bigger market than what you guys are doing. There's a niche of that, but that global antidepressant drug market is valued at $13.8 billion in 2016 and expected to, to hit 16 billion by 2023. You know, so the, the business case, the business case for what you guys are doing is definitely there. Um, it's yeah. great that you guys have this multi-year license agreement. So multi-year, is that like 10 years, five years, seven years? Uh, five, it, re it renews based on performance. But the other thing to bear in mind, you see, when we talk about psychedelics, mm -hmm. is a lot of companies go the clinical route, right? Pure clinical route. So that's taking the sort of Western medicine pathway 100%. And that's fine. We respect that because we want to have more science, want to have more research, right? But the truth is that doesn't help people today. That doesn't get commercialized for another five to seven years at best. And so in the meantime, knowing that we have a compound that's natural, safe in its application and can help folks, you know, just to defer that, that just wouldn't sit so well with me, to be honest, in terms of being in this industry and knowing what, what these, these compounds can do for people. And so that's, that's another reason why, you know, I'm particularly, you know, happy with our business model, because while we have components of our business that are sort of, IP, clinical trial, future oriented, a large part of what we're doing is helping people today. And that, that makes a big difference to me. So, you know, what has been your personal experiences with it? You know, what's been your most life-changing experience with it? You know, what made you a believer in, in, this, in this whole, um, let's say, plant-based medicine space? Well, I mean, you know, I've used um, CBD extensively. I've, I've felt the impact and the benefit from it. I personally, personally, you know, I get my jollies, if you want to call it, from a drink. You know what I mean? I've been doing that for a long time. And so I know all my controls where that concerned. You know, tonight's that night where you're going to 
you know, step back a bit or you're going to lean in and it's going to be that kind of heat, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm at a point where I know myself and I know what makes me comfortable and what doesn't, you know, and losing control is a, is a, pro, is a challenge for me personally. So from my perspective with, with, with cannabis, you know, I felt that I had that for me, that sort of edge taker offer already covered, right? But I completely embraced the CBD side of it. I completely get it. And I, and I mean, over time, you also understand that THC can be a component of a, of a, med, of a, of a, of a regime where it doesn't even have, a, you know, a sort of a, a psychoactive effect for you, right? But I, I, that's just been my, my, my journey with it. Um, and that I believe in 150% because I know it to work for me. I know it to work for patients and I've seen it have an impact. I've even seen people with, with acute situations with THC where that's helped them with their cancer and, and so on and so forth. Right. For me, psychedelics was different. Um, a few years ago, which, which, which is completely outside of, um, of, of character. You know, I started looking into ayahuasca retreat in um, Peru and understanding the journey and what it could do for us. And I mean, again, a big part of, of the evolution of life is, is us growing as individuals. And in that pursuit of personal growth, it was always a matter of, you know, what is my capacity? You know, what is my true potential? What am I and what aspects of that am I touching? What aspects of that am I not touching? You know, and what's holding me back from really reaching to those 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 parts of me? And so in that process of, of enlightening myself and getting sort of spiritually grounded and so on and so forth, you know, I realized that these, these are, are opening experiences for you, right? These psychedelic experiences. And so I did investigate ayahuasca um, at the time and I never did it. And the reason I didn't do it is, and trust me, the idea of sleeping in the bush, <laughs> as I put, that ain't my thing, dude. Like that's not my thing, right? Um, but I, I've gotten past that. But what, what, what slowed me down was just the idea that at the end of the day, you know, so much of it depended upon the shaman who was leading you. And there was just no, there was no way to validate whether or not you picked the right shaman or a boga shaman or a yesterday shaman or an ancient shaman. And that's kind of where it stopped for me. But when we started, when I got into silo wellness, Again, that rekindled that whole curiosity for me. And because we did so much work to, to find our retreat leaders <clears throat> and have so much confidence in them and their sort of sincerity and their authenticity and their knowledge, um, I did do my, my journeys, you know, in, since I started the company, uh, started with the company. And those have been extremely revealing for me, very empowering, very liberating. Um, I feel like I've gone to a whole nother level of performance. I feel like my mind is at a... Is, is cleaner. It, it's more, it, it works faster, if you will. Um, and I used to work, you know, fairly quick before, but I feel like it's, it, it's gotten faster. My performance capacity has increased. Um, yeah. I, I just, I just, I just feel like it's, it's helping me to, to, to be more of who I am, you know, who I am inside. It's, 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 it's pulling away the, the, the curtains, so to speak, the, the, the shades that were preventing clarity in terms of you know what the fullest version of Douglas Gordon was, Douglas K. Gordon, as you say, K. Gordon, <laughs> <laughs> what that was and what that can and what that should be, and so that's why it's been so powerful for me, and that's why it's something that um, 
you know, while my experience wasn't one of sort of trying to address some sort of negative in my life, um, it was, it, it has been very transformative, transformative in terms of me stepping into more of who I am. And the other thing I will say is, you know, in the context of our retreats and having our clients, I've seen people, man, I've seen them transform. I've seen a couple, you know, we've had a couple, I'll tell you, the guy has his, his, his Trinidadian heritage, right? They came and they were in such a bad place. The wife was like, this is the last, I don't know what else to try, you know? And, you know, the things that even on the retreat that came up that they were, there was a problem around in terms of their relationship. And then after they had a couple of experiences and they went through the, the meditations and they just went through picking up the energy of the environment, man, this guy was like, you know, I'm going to have to call my children. I've never told them I love them. Grown, grown children. You know, I, I, I love, I see my wife in a totally different way. Like whatever was preventing him from seeing that full picture, he got to see, man. And, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a saying, you know, something that's, you know, now seen can't be unseen. And that's where he's at. You know, he wants to bring his family back to Jamaica for a trip and so on. And, and these are the things that I say that, you know, I'm staring, a, I'm staring a car here. But I'm not, it's, I'm, it's not about me. It's not about what I'm, I'm not, I'm not making these things happen for these people. I'm simply facilitating an environment within which the people who can help them to let the medicine do its work have an opportunity to do that. That's all. That's all. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess my, um, my takeaways from that, I mean, especially as we kind of alleviate those in the audience who, have my, who I might be wary of, okay, well, there are negative side effects here. Um, just like you said, it, it's about three things that I put here, maybe two or three things. One, your mindset. Two, the maturity and your ability to know your limits. So just like when we're, if we're drinking some scotch or rum or what have you, we know it, okay, three drinks will get us where we need to be. Six will get us where we should not, we, we should not go. <laughs> Let's just stop at the three. S similar with, um, with the substances. As well as, you know, the guidance. The, who, are the, who, are the guide, who are the people leading it? Who are the shamans? Mm -hmm. so to speak right so yeah i mean once you have those things under control well, maybe you could um try it out you know and again like you say most of us we all have some level of trauma somewhere and most of us won't have negative um side effects to it so once you handle it in a control it's, and it's natural great. kevin it's a natural it's from the earth <laughs> you know what i mean it's from the earth and we need to understand a little bit more that you know, the, the idea that something created in a lab means it's good. Opioids were created in a lab. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's not, Adderall's, that, that's created in a lab. You know, we need to divorce ourselves of this notion that, that things that come from the earth are not as good as the stuff that comes from the lab. No, and we also need to, to divorce ourselves from the notion that just because it, it was, it's respected, it's understood, it can be explained by someone from the indigenous community, means it's less than somebody who has a medical degree, right? It, it, it's no, we need to get to a place where we understand first and foremost, the things that are natural and organic and from the earth should be given due respect. It's the same flow of energy, okay? And then in the process, we wanna ensure that as we bring those things to market, we do it in a way in which we have the right understanding, the right science, the right controls, the right methodologies. Do Am I here advocating that we should sell psychedelics accessible to anybody in whatever amounts that they want? Absolutely not. It's, it's a very powerful compound. It's, it's transformative, but it's powerful. 
You know, just like I wouldn't say to a person, you know, hey, congratulations on, on, on turning 16. Here's the keys to your Ferrari. It's too powerful. You don't know how to drive yet. You know what I mean? But if I put you on a track and I put you in a simulator and I put you through whatever other sort of control steps there are there, you're going to have the benefit of how that feels to drive such a great performance machine, right? So it's not a matter of what we tend to do, which is sort of like have these extremes. You know, someone told me it was bad. And so now you have to convince me that it's good. No. First of all, look at who told you it was bad, right? And now understand that that just got built on, built on, built on, built on, built on. So now it's terrible in your head because it started off as bad and then it was just a narrative thrown at it. Disassemble that whole narrative. Disassemble the whole entire thing when you find out it was built on a lie, right? And now educate yourself because not to do that is to deprive yourself of some of the wonderful experiences you can have when you're not shackled to your own fears and shackled to your own trauma and shackled to your own doubts and, 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 and you know, all these different things that we, we, we walk around in our brain. You know, we process so many things in our brain and only probably a small fraction of them are going to take us forward. The rest of them is what did this person think about me? And, da, 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 and it's because of the traumas we've had, you know? Yeah. So. So my last question, and it's a brilliant one, if I may, if I do say so myself. What is it? I thought for? all your questions were brilliant. Isn't that what you saw <laughs> at the beginning of this? <laughs> oh, sorry, that was off. that was before the podcast. My bad. I didn't mean to like that. Go ahead. What's the K for? <laughs> oh, the K is for Kenneth. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. So we're getting ready to wrap. Um, sure. I want to give you open mic, open forum, open platform to say anything you want to say that that you may you, that we wouldn't be able to get to in this um in this session today. Yours. Um, quite simply, you know, I I, I feel a great degree of, of, of pride and opportunity to incorporate. You know, like I've learned so much about the indigenous communities. You know, and I've I, and I, it's a joy for me to be able to actually understand some of the challenges the Rastafarian communities had in Jamaica and other parts of the Caribbean. But more than the understanding is I feel like really excited about the fact that we can incorporate some of, you know, these different folks into what we're doing, not in some kind of like charitable way, but in a way in which is like imparting knowledge and making them a key part of what we do. You know, I feel very good about that because it means, it means a lot. And then the last thing I'd say is that, you know, Cannabis has this incredible opportunity for the Caribbean um, from a socioeconomic perspective. You know, we have, the, we have this opportunity to, <clears throat> to build this industry, give jobs, to give, um, you know, people have their own businesses. You know, this is something global. And we have a unique opportunity because of our, our jurisdiction, because of our, our, our cool factor, whatever it is. And, you know, to be able to give small populations, right? Such a large potential income earning um, industry. And it's being sort of held up because of false stigmas and, 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 you know, bureaucrats who don't want to understand it. It's not that they don't understand it or they have a differing point of view. They don't want to understand it. They don't want to open up themselves. They don't want to sort of evaluate the fact that when we import all these drugs for all these different conditions that could otherwise be treated by people taking natural um, medicines that come right here from the Caribbean. The kind of money we save that could then be reinvested into giving our people better healthcare facilities. 
You know, when some of us talk about in the region about free healthcare, it's not free. When a person has to take a day off work and, and, and line up and wait, and then they, they treat it as though like, you know, well, your hair, it's free, just take it. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll be with you when I'm with you. That's not, that's, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have an opportunity to actually create economic stimulation, to create economic prosperity that can give ourselves a better quality of life in terms of our finances, but also give us a better quality of living. Because Kevin, let me tell you something. When you give particularly elderly people CBD and they can rub that on their joints and all of a sudden they're walking around and they feel good, you know what I mean? Or they can take it and their pain goes away in their back and they they can play with their grandchildren and these sorts of things. These are the intangible things that bring to a quality of life that I just truly believe we don't have the luxury of for, for personal bullshit reasons thumbing our noses to it instead of opening a book, speaking to somebody, going to a conference to actually understand it. And that's my big frustration is that this is a huge opportunity for us as a Caribbean to, instead of having businesses that are in some of these, all they do is the margin, man. They buy it in the US, they have to find the foreign currency and their big profit is the margin because then they pay back all the money for the product, right? And then we have a higher price for the same goods in a place where our, our purchasing power is compromised. When we could actually make that right here, a, a, a replacement solution, we don't need foreign exchange. We're giving our local communities jobs. People are healthier, less burden, blah, 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 blah. And the reason we're not doing it is because we don't want to do the work to think about it. Mm-hmm. That's not good enough. It's not good enough. Podcast world, there you have it. Free your mind with Douglas K. Gordon. Subscribe to Caribbean Power Lunch at CaribbeanPowerLunch.com slash subscribe. Check us out on Castbox, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. And with that, Douglas. Kevin, thank you. Podcast World, Cabin Studios, we are out. <laughs> <laughs>